silly me. Here I was thinking that I was the one saving you. And in reality, you're the one saving me. Hi, dog people. Welcome back to Rescued by a Dog, the podcast about dogs who have actually saved their owners' lives. Today, Jacqueline is going to tell us a story about a pug she rescued from a euthanasia list, and then he actually rescued her back. Today's episode is sponsored by a donor in honor of Lily and Roxy, pets she has loved and still loves, but are no longer here. And also in honor of NYC Second Chance Dog Rescue, which rescues and rehabilitates critically injured and neglected dogs and cats. This is a perfect sponsor for today's absolutely beautiful story, which is bound to give you all the feels. Hi, it's Jacqueline, right? Correct. Yes. Nice to meet you, Jacqueline. Likewise. Why don't you start by telling me who was your dog that we're going to talk about today? Sure. So my dog's name was Pugless Daniel. Um, Johnson to be exact, published Daniel Johnson Hernandez <laughs> uh, when he was in trouble, but he most often re- was referred to as Pug. And as you can guess, he was a Pug. <laughs> we were very original with his name. Um, and yeah, he was is quite literally the love of my life. <laughs> and I have two children, so that's, <laughs> that's saying a lot. <laughs> we won't let them hear this. <laughs> um, where did you find Pugless? So at the time, um, my hometown, Laredo, Texas, border town, um, I was, I had just graduated college. I was in a really dark place. You know, I was, I, my whole life, I thought I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life, which was veterinary medicine. And I, I didn't get in. And I was like, now what? You know, I felt like a failure. Um, I felt like I couldn't make the change in the world that I wanted to make uh, because I couldn't be a vet. And so I went back into the animal welfare industry, which of course, even then like burnout is real. And that's, I was feeling a lot of that too. (laughs) Um, And I was volunteering, interning at that shelter, Laredo Animal Protective Society. Um, They are still around and they were municipal shelter, or I'm sorry, private shelter that was contracted by a municipal. So thousands of dogs and cats all the time. Um, and it just so happened that an animal control officer showed up with Pugless and said, Hey, um, I need you to sign off on euthanasia for this dog. And, um, I was like, okay, well, what's going on? (laughs) And he was like, this dog, um, a a good Samaritan called. They said that he couldn't walk and he was in this laundry basket. And I was like, well, you know, let's go look at, look at him, check him out and make sure, you know, if he does need to be humanly euthanized, we'll go ahead and start that process. Um, and so he opened his ACO truck and there was in this little laundry basket peeking two big brown eyes, you know, atypical pug. Um, and so I pulled the blanket cause he was being covered. I pulled the blanket up and I see these eyes and his tail's wagging. And I was like, well, he doesn't seem too much in distress. So carefully take him out of the basket and he starts to try to walk. Unfortunately, he was hit by a car. Um, so he couldn't use his back legs at the time. Um, this was back in 2008. So we weren't really that specific shelter was not really known um for saving lives not that they didn't want to just it just was not something that they had the means for both budget and just all the things that come with saving animals their euthanasia rate was like 90% back then um and just because you know all the all the reasons right so lack of budget lack of education within the community lack of resources so i'm proud to say that they they're much improved and they are now no kill 
And I think part of it is because of dogs like Pugless. So um, when he came into the shelter, the director at the time, her name was Lori. Um, I went to her and I said, hey, there's this pug. And she kind of looked at me and she's like, yeah. And I said, um, you know, the animal control officer wants me to sign off on euthanasia, but I'd really love to take him on. Um, and so she kind of sat there and thought, on paper, I am, I'm the worst adopter at the time. So I'm straight out of college. I have maybe $20, can't even afford the adoption fee. Um, don't have a job because I'm interning at this shelter. And so, yeah, I have no, on paper, I have no right to be adopting a medical case. But she, she's, she tried to talk me out of it at first. And she said, this is a really big financial responsibility. You know, we can't guarantee his health, all that stuff. And I was like, I, I, there's just something about this dog I need to try. And so she, she said, fine, if you can figure out a way to pay for his vet care, then you can have him, you can adopt him. So that same day I went to the vet clinic and I said, I have no money. I have this dog. Please let me like work for you. I will clean kennels, whatever. And um, so luckily I had been working with the vet prior because she was helping me with some shelter animals I was fostering. So she knew, I, you know, my word was true. And she agreed. So I ran back to the shelter and I said, you know, this Dr. Kramer, she is going to let me work for her and I can pay off the vet bill. And so that was that. That's that's it. That's the story. <laughs> um, so I, I took him home um, and my parents were like, what the heck? Why did you bring home this non-mobile animal? <laughs> um, luckily, this was not my parents' first rodeo with me bringing home a stray. I've done it quite literally my whole life. Um, I always joke and tell people that I meet that I thought it was totally normal to have 10 dogs running around your house. It wasn't until my first sleepover that they didn't have a pet that I was like, hey, mom, can you come pick me up? This is kind of weird. <laughs> um, so I thought that that was normal. Um, so luckily it wasn't too big of a surprise for them. Um, so I talked to them and I let them know, like, this is my new project dog. Uh, you know, hopefully we can, I could rehab him and who knows. Right. Um, so, you know, we, I took, I took him to the vet. He got a full workup. Um, he ended up having Ehrlichia and anaplasmosis, Ooh. both tick-borne diseases. Um, so they can cause paralysis. They can cause, um, of course, as you can imagine, anemia, um, and a couple of other underlying issues. The good news is that it's very A, preventable, and B, uh, easy to treat for the most part if it's caught early enough. And he also had heartworms. So, like, he checked all the boxes <laughs> for, for medical bills. So, as you can imagine, we instantly started him on um, Doxy to both help with the anaplasmosis and Ehrlichia, but also get him started with his heartworm treatment. So the first day I brought him home, I explained to my parents what I was doing. They told me I was crazy, but whatever. <laughs> he, you know, for a dog that could not use his back legs, he was just romping around. Uh, he was sniffing everything. And my parents have like this big, um, not a French door, but like a sliding glass door. And that leads to the outside. And he was just so excited to see a backyard. So I let him out. I helped him, you know, carried him out. And um, he just laid in the grass for like a good 20 minutes. It was like the most peaceful thing. And I think that's when I was like, you're safe, buddy. <laughs> you know? I, in that moment, realized what the gravity of commitment that I put on. You know, it, I'm taking on this medical dog that can't walk, that has heartworms, that has ehrlichia, that has anaplasmosis. And I've only known him an hour, but I love him. <laughs> um, 
it, now I always joke that the I you know I, I, even to my husband I would be like find you a man that looks at you the way Puglis looks at me because there was just something about the way he looked at me um, and he has these big beautiful brown eyes so, like it's hard to miss. <laughs> where the shelter is in a, in comparison to like where the border meets is he could have very well we joked often about him being from Mexico uh, because he also spoke Spanish so that was one of the things when I first started meeting him luckily for me and the rest of my family we're bilingual we speak Spanish it's it was my first language as well so when it came time to like speaking to him you know, it would take him a minute to understand what I asked him to do in English. But if I told it to him in Spanish, he was like on it. So I was like, oh, you're bilingual too. <laughs> and so, you know, we go through all this medical. I remember the first day he got up and walked, which was something that I was told probably wouldn't happen um, because I couldn't afford the intense specialty surgery um he had a broken femur and a broken pelvis so we did like this makeshift cast out of like bubble wrap at first until I could afford to get him a full casting uh, fast forward a little bit um he can walk now he's heartworm negative uh clear of anaplasmosis and ehrlichia so we can start doing regular dog things <laughs> and so I went out to a demo um for um Therapy Dogs Incorporated, and you know they 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 were like, this is what it's like to be a therapy dog handler, and this is what re is required of your dog. And I was like, Pug meets all those things. He loves people. He loves kids. You know, let's go for it. So it took about six months. He passed with flying colors, which I knew he would. Um, I was just nervous about one part, which was he had to walk across the room without touching any treats. And like I said, he was very food motivated. Um, and so I was a little nervous about that, but he, man, he just, he was a rock star. Um, and so we passed the test and we started doing therapy dog work and we did that pretty much until the last year of his life. He loved it so much. It was like his favorite thing. Um, he loved kids and I did not have kids up until the last year that he was with us. So anytime I could get him that attention with children, he would like, he forgot all about me. And he was like, I'm going to hang out with these little kids. He knew when someone needed just a good, big, goofy dog. Um, well, he wasn't big. In his heart, I think he was big. <laughs> um, but, you know, he loved therapy dog work so much. Um, I think that's when he was the happiest. Um, and then somewhere in between there, I have fibromyalgia as well as chronic migraines, as well as um, uh, type 2 diabetes. So, all the things, right? And so at the time, this was about, this is 2010. So about two years after I um, adopted him, I was talking to a dog trainer and I said, I think I would really benefit from a service dog. Um, specifically, what I was looking for was for a dog that could alert me for my migraines because it's very dangerous to drive with a migraine. And um, especially if they're one, those migraines that are coming off, I they would affect like auras. So, um, therefore affecting my vision. Um, and so driving with a migraine is not something that I advise. <laughs> and so, you know, I was talking to, um, a trainer and she, you know, we went over like my lifestyle. I'm not necessarily a super active person in the sense that like, I'm like, I'm going to wake up and do a 10 mile hike. I would never, if I did take me to the doctor, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a, like, let's, Netflix and binge watch something. Right. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to definitely stay healthy, um, as well as just have someone that would match my lifestyle. 
And so we were talking about different breeds of dogs, your atypical service dog, a golden retriever, you know, your Labrador, especially for scent work, um, because both the migraines and the diabetes can, it's a scent that a dog could pick up on if trained properly. And so uh, she came over and because I had a prospect, so a potential dog that I was working with, I was actually fostering for San Antonio, or not San Antonio Pets Life, for um, Animal Care Services at the time. And I said, you know, he's very well-mannered and I taught him all these tricks. Um, but the bond is really important when working with a service dog. So I had invited her over to kind of check us out, if you will, and see how we connected if she thought we were a good match. And so she she just kind of sat there, observed. We were having conversation and she noticed Pugless would kind of like, so if my hand was hanging out, you know, on the chair, Pugless would kind of just like tap it with his nose and he would walk away and then he'd come back and do it again. And so after a while she asked me, she was like, Hey, do you have like a headache or what's like, are you feeling okay? And I was like, I mean, I'm kind of anxious, you know, I'm really worried about not finding a good prospect. And she was like, Hmm, okay. And we just kind of kept conversing. And then it turned out about 15 to 20 minutes later, I started getting a migraine and she was like, you know, I know this is going to sound crazy. She's like, but I have an idea. And I was like, okay. She's like, what about Pugless? And I was like, I stayed quiet. I literally looked at her like, he's a pug. <laughs> you know, they're the one thing they're known for is not having good scent, right? They're, they're smushed face. They can't, they don't smell well. And she was like, I don't think it's about smell. I think it's just that he's so bonded with you. He knows he can scent something. And that for me, especially because I wanted to make sure I was doing all the appropriate things for finding the right service dog was out of this world. I was like, you're crazy. This is never going to work. And she's like, well, I'd like to try it. And so I, I was like, okay, you're going to look crazy trying to train a service dog as a, a pug as a service dog, <laughs> but okay, let's try it. And she's like, just trust me. And I was like, okay. So, you know, we started, she started picking up on some of his cues that he was just naturally doing for me. The, 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 I always thought he just wanted attention and cuddles, right? He was like, oh, I miss you. I'm going to come back. But she was like, I think those are his natural cues for you. So we started working on that. And it turned out that, that was the case is that he could sense somehow he could sense that I was going to get a migraine. And he was, I think, only a handful of times did he ever really miss a migraine of mine. And usually there was something in the way. So either he didn't feel well, or maybe um, obviously if I was away for a trip or something like that, and he, for whatever reason, wasn't with me. Um, I had medication that I could take about 15 minutes prior to a migraine to help me kind of dumb it down, if you will, or make it less intense. Um, so I would do that. Um, if I was outdoors, I would move indoors. So less, you know, dimmer lighting. Um, and if, it, if I was driving, I would just kind of pick a store that we could go to and hang out. Um, whether that was like a coffee shop or something. Um, he, we ended up teaching him how to, um, I would always carry like a backpack or a purse that was turned into a backpack. And so he would, he learned how to dig out my, um, my EpiPen. Cause I do have allergic reactions sometimes. And, uh, and um, my glucometer, which was in a little pouch that had like a carabiner so he could take it out easily from, you know, 2010 till 2020, he was with me all day, every day. Uh, he would come to work with me. He would go to the potty with me. I mean, he was quite literally my shadow, or I should say I was his, but, <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's kind of when it, I had my aha moment. I was like, silly me here. I was thinking that I was the one saving you. And in reality, you're the one saving me. <laughs> 
I worked at a um, animal shelter's vet clinic, so very chaotic, constant. But he was perfect, I'm telling you. I know people say that all the time, but I could leave him in one in his sit-stay spot for hours, and he wouldn't. He'd sleep, he'd hang, he just watched everyone. He was really great. He never, he never was not where I told him to be, unless something was wrong. <laughs> and so if he ever did start to act unsettled, he would like do these quiet little barks um, and then get louder as it, as I progressed. He then might, the staff would be like, hey, Jackie, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. They're like, hey, pugs alerting us. And so I'd go sit down and check my um, blood sugar or maybe, you know, make sure that like I'm not getting a headache and I'm ignoring it because in the veterinary slash animal sheltering field it's very easy to do that <laughs> um, he was known to throw parties he had a birthday party every year he would invite his dog friends and his people friends um, and his shelter friends sometimes I think twice we had it at an animal shelter where they had a dog park and so some of the shelter dogs were invited to have dog cake and presents with him um and he was notorious for having Whataburger. He loved Whataburger french fries. Those were his favorite. Um, and so much so that Whataburger actually, before like knowing that you could go viral, he went viral. So when you type in his name, Pugless the Pug, you'll see a picture of him on the bed with his Whataburger. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so fast forward to, he's around like 10 at this time. And he's starting to slow down like dogs do. And so I had made the ultimate decision to retire him because he just, his little body can't keep up. <laughs> and, um, and so I addressed the staff at the time. I was like, just so you guys know, I'm going to start retiring Pugless. I think they were more devastated than I was. <laughs> you know, there were some tears, definitely. They're like, what are we going to do without Pugless? Um, he just, he touched every life he met. And I think that's really important. I, my parents, I remember we had the conversation when I decided to retire him. They were really worried. They were like, what are you going to, what are we going to do? You know, he's getting older. And they were, they were fearful um, that I would have this like huge downfall. And, you know, part of me wondered that too. I was like, how am I supposed to live without this dog? Because he was so much more than a dog. He was my lifeline, um, both in a, in a service dog aspect but in a personal aspect I mean he was with me through marriage divorce you know you name it <laughs> we went through it we moved to so many different cities and states met so many different people um and he was with me in a in a time of my life where I was like discovering myself he what the year he passed was the year I had my daughter and the one thing I had promised him was that I would have a kid <laughs> because he loved kids so much so I remember I had my daughter August 2020 and this was November 2020 this is the last day I, I saw Pugless um I remember I was in my room I had just put the baby down for a nap and I heard little you know clip clap and because he hated getting his nails trimmed like most pugs do <laughs> and um so I heard him and I looked over because I was lying down in bed and I look over at him and he came over around the bed and he looked at me and I was like hey pug how are you he was just kind of looking around the room and he you know he checked the baby because she was in her um bassinet he kind of looked at her 
And he looked back at me and he walked out of the room. And I was like, okay, you know, see ya. And uh, uh, I took a nap. And um, my husband came into the room and he woke me up from the nap. He was like, hey, um, I'm so sorry, but Pugless passed away. He had let him outside uh, and he took a nap under the tree. <laughs> and he's not awake. So I got up and I went to confirm it. He had, in fact, passed. But I think even at his final moments, you know, he wanted to make sure that we were okay. And when I think back, you know, I had had that conversation with my parents about <clears throat> what am I going to do? I He had had medical problems as an older geriatric pug does. So we knew that it would eventually come. So... I, in my head, I thought I was going to have to make that decision. And like I said, even through at the end, he just, I think he knew. He said, if I had to guess, you know, I think that was his biggest, um, not sacrifice, but his biggest, I love you. I don't want you to make this decision for me. And he went exactly how I would want, you know, peacefully outside by the tree. <laughs> and he got to meet my daughter, who loved him so much. Um, I have one picture of them together, but it's like the most perfect picture because it's the day <clears throat> we brought her home and he got to meet her and his tail's wagging and it's just so perfect. Do you think he waited for you to have a child so that you, <laughs> the story is really touching me, so, <laughs> so that you would have someone somewhere else to put your love? A hundred percent. I, I remember I had, you know, I called my parents and I let them know and they were, they were, they paused when I told them because as you can imagine, that's when they feared I would go into like a deep depression, <laughs> but I had to focus on my daughter and you know she was a newborn still you know still pretty fresh <laughs> and so I I dedicated so much time to her part of me thinks that he absolutely he's a genius so of course I think it was very well planned and it was at such a precise time in my life like it's exactly what I needed if it would have happened any time sooner or any time after I think I would have been even more of a mess than I was, you know, when it did happen. I was surrounded by family because my some of my family was visiting. I remember my sister was in town. Um, so I think that also he was like, okay, this is her, her other support systems here. Like now is a good time. He passed away at uh, the wonderful age of 13. But man, those the, the whole time that we lived together, every day was just better than the next um you know they talk about when someone passes that you lose someone and I I feel like I miss him every day of course but his memory will forever be with me and so um often we talk about my friends and I were like man today I thought of Pugless and I donated five dollars or I went to Butterburger and I thought of Pugless. So 
I paid it forward. And I think that's the most beautiful thing. Um, he was such a great dog. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> he was such a great dog. And it's such a great feeling to know that he impacted so many people. And he still does. Um, every now and then I'll post like thinking of Pug today. And so many people will comment and be like, yeah, me too. Um, and to think that this, I think at his best, he was like 23 pounds. <laughs> to think that a 23 pound dog could touch so many lives. Um, I think back to all those kids that we did therapy work with. All the people we went to retirement's home for that didn't have anyone else but Pugless. Um, so I think when I think back to me foolishly thinking that I was saving a dog, um, in reality, he wasn't just saving my life. He was saving so many other people's lives. Um, one of the most important things is what would Pugless have wanted me to do? And that's something that I constantly think of. I use that line almost every day, you know, throughout the, my time with Pugless, I was like, I, there would be days where I'm like, it's not worth it. I'm just going to lay here forever. <laughs> and here would come this 23 pound dog to remind me that not only did he need to go potty, but he wanted to go smell the roses um, or play with a toy or he needed me just as much as I needed him. And so luckily for me, you know, having Pugless, he, he definitely taught me that I didn't have to be a veterinarian to try and change the world. Um, and thanks to Pugless, I was able to meet so many people and so many um, just, just do like fundraisers and just all these other things that I never thought were possible unless I was someone. And I was Pug's mom. People knew me as Pugless's mom. And so he, one year he got invited to South by Southwest by some rapper <laughs> and he was like, Hey, we want to hang out with your dog. We saw him on Instagram. And I was like, what? So we got invited to South by Southwest. I can't remember his name because it's not necessarily my genre, but man, I remember that year was pretty cool. And I texted my friends and I was like, yeah, Pug's going to go hang out with some rappers at South by Southwest. Um, you know, so it was like, it's, and to this day, I will forever and always be Pugless's mom. So he, we would joke that he was a lazy pug because, you know, most pugs have that cinnamon roll tail. His only looped once. It kind of looked like almost like a sad orca. <laughs> um, and so we would always joke that he had a lazy tail. But because of that, he could actually catch it, which I don't think any other pugs could. So every now and then when he was in that goofy, like, I want to love you and show you that I'm loved mode he would chase his tail and catch it for me so I just loved that about his lazy tail <laughs> um if Pugless could understand human English what would you like to say to him oh man I think that I would just tell him I love him you know I tell him I love him even now um he's so special You know, some people think that, some, you know, a heart dog is something made up. It's like this mythical thing that we, we make up, but if we know. <laughs> when you have that heart dog, you know it.